Saul concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we approach your throne of grace this evening and we do so in and by and through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we come, Lord, seeking your blessings on your word as it goes forth, that the bread of life would be broken and fed, that there would be, Lord, the taking of it, the understanding of it, the blessings of it. Lord, we pray that we do not waste the time of the people that are here tonight. Lord, may we honor you, may we glorify you, may we exalt your name, may we give you all the glory. May we, Lord, increase in our understanding as we see just the fringes, know just the fringes, but increase our knowledge of you and increase our love for you. For it's in thy son's holy and precious name we pray, amen book of Isaiah. I have been going through the book of Isaiah of our church now for several weeks and I'll continue through it until their eyes start glazing over then I'll change and go to something else. <laughs> but I usually felt led by the Lord to go in certain directions and until I get that uh, feeling I, I will continue in the book of Isaiah spent most of our ministry the last 10 years in the New Testament. And someone said, is there an Old Testament in the Bible? <laughs> and of course, I always think of Isaiah 53, just a tremendously great passage of Scripture that speaks of our Lord Jesus Christ, but it's not the only portion of Scripture that we find in the book of Isaiah. We see so many nuggets, so many things that hold forth Jesus Christ. I read you the first verse here, and that's about the most that we know about Isaiah. He's considered perhaps the Shakespeare of the Old Testament, the Apostle Paul of the Old Testament, highly educated, very competent in the use of the words. Some speculate that he may have been part of the family of the kings. But he was given a prophecy, and he was told to take it and he was told to take it to Judah. As we go through this, we have four kings listed here, and you'll say, well, why Judah, not Israel? Well, there had been a split. And in Israel, the kings, basically whoever was the strongest and who could assassinate the previous one could take over, but in Judah, we have that scarlet thread that runs all the way through the scripture. Starting with Genesis 3:15, that there would be one born of the woman that would bruise the head of Satan. And as you go through the Old Testament, that is the one you look for. I mentioned to the inmates in the prison Friday night, I said when I was first saved, I read through my Bible and I read through my Bible. And about the third time when I got to the book of Matthew chapter 1, I skipped chapter 1 and went right to chapter 2. <laughs> you say, well, what's that got to do with Isaiah? Well, we have genealogies. The genealogies were important. The genealogies were destroyed in 70 AD, but they determined who was eligible real estate-wise to own land in certain parts of 
of Israel, but they also determined who was to be the next high priest and who was to be the next king. If there was a simple way to undermine the deity of our Lord and the kingship of our Lord and that he was the Messiah, it would have been simply to go to the records and see whether or not he was of the right family. I don't guess I've ever heard anybody bring that up except recently on a sermon I was listening to. But if you wanted to do away with Christ and if you hated him so much, you just had to go to the records and find out if he was a descendant of King David. Well, he was, and that's what you want to look for as you go through the Old Testament. You want to look for that scarlet thread that finds itself fulfilled in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Why the Old Testament? Verse after verse in the New Testament tells us that we have in samples and examples as to what not to do. <laughs> and I guess the book of Isaiah would perhaps highlight that. Isaiah was sent to Judah, and the Lord described them as a people that he had done everything you possibly could think of for it, and yet they turned their backs upon him, turned away from him. Hear, O heaven, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. I told the men at the present Friday night, I said, how do you communicate with a teenager? And there was a cabinet right behind me, and I turned around and just butted my head against it. And they all understood what I was talking about. <laughs> you know, have a 19-year-old, and you, you don't know anything. But here you have the Lord talking about, in prophecy, his people. He's done so much for them, and yet they rebelled against him. We have a list of kings here, and Uzziah was a great king until the last two years in which he wanted to to take also the worship and offer up incense, and the Lord struck him down with leprosy. His son Jotham, and I emphasize the fact that it's in lineage, his son Jotham, pretty good king. Ahaz, a very wicked king. In that line, in that scarlet thread, yet closed the temple, took the wealth out of the temple, opened up idols to the people, sacrificed his children in the fire, the idol gods, and then you have Hezekiah. And yet all four of them are in the line, the scarlet line of thread. As you go through the book of Matthew, later I went back and I started teaching through the book of Matthew before I entered into the ministry, and I was amazed how much was in that first chapter. How many Gentile women are in that first chapter? Rahab, the harlot. As I minister to men in the prison, you minister to men that they're guilty of very vile crimes. And as I minister to them, I have a group of them that come out and are just hungry for the word of God. And when they're hungry like that, they feed you. And I look at them and I said, I'm looking at some that were created in the image of God and I always got to keep that in the back of my mind. Be it a harlot, be it a murderer, be it a thief, Whatever it is, they were created in the image of God. And as we go down through this scripture here, our Lord says a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, 
they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backwards. And if I was to put a title at the beginning of this chapter, I would put USA Today, because it sounds just like America today. Sacrificing our children in what they call it abortion. It's simply baby murderers. Going through the book of Isaiah, leaders that take bribes, leaders that are only in it for the money, just one thing after another just pops out. Why should you be stricken anymore? And that might be a question we might ask ourselves. If I was to give you some advice tonight, I would say buy food. Buy food. Buy food. I think there's bad days ahead for us as a country. You're going to starve to death if you don't have something in the cupboard, and then you're going to have to protect it. But buy food. Don't worry about the pews being empty. Because when we have what's planned for this country ahead of us, people are going to be hungry for the things of God, and they're going to fill these pews. They're going to be just like they were in the 50s. And Jesse Cox, Brother Wayne Cox's wife, told me one time, she said, I think the reason why people were like that in the 50s is they were hungry, physically as well as spiritually. You couldn't get in the buildings. They would stand at the windows. We were talking a little bit, and I've been thinking about that. We've been thinking about ministers that have gone on and will go on. It's just a matter of time. It might be a few moments. It might be a few years. But there's been so many great men that have gone on before us. But the Lord will raise up his people. He will raise up that remnant. And that's what we have here as a hope. In the book of Isaiah, there is a remnant. It says in verse 9, Except the Lord, that is Jehovah of hosts, hath left unto us a very small remnant. We should have been as Sodom. And we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Abraham, Lord, if there's 40 there, will you spare? 30? 10? There wasn't. There was one. Questionable, but one. And we wouldn't know that he was a just man if it wasn't for the New Testament that told us that Lot was a just man. And now he comes down to this portion here, and he brings up this subject matter. God's judgment's about to come down on Judah. So much so that there would be not enough men to go around. And later in the chapter, it says seven women would take one man and says, well, we got our own garments. We got our own food. All we want is your name. And I thought about that passage. That's way ahead of where I'm at tonight. But I thought about it, and I said, our churches, you know, these big churches that entertain, and they have trips to this and that and so forth and so on. And the people want the name of Christian, but they don't want to live Christian lives. They don't want to hear from the word of God. They have their own righteousness. They have their own clothing. They do not need the clothing or the righteousness or the wedding garment of our Lord Jesus Christ. Except Jehovah of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant. We should have been as Sodom. We should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of Jehovah. 
ye rulers of Sodom. And he's referring to Judah. And he's referring to them as the rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? What purpose is the multitude? I mean, they're supposed to be about the sacrifices. And these are the picture of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And they're to remind them that it's by the shedding of blood is the forgiveness of sins. But the Lord is saying here to Judah, you go through the motions, but your heart is somewhere else. In the prison, they come in. They got a list there. They sign that list. That's supposed to be, you know, a record that they've been in chapel and so forth and so on. As if it's brownie points with the warden, which probably doesn't really count much of anything. But they make sure their name's on that list. But I wonder how they live when they leave the chapel. I've had guards tell me sometimes the men that come to chapel are the ones they have the most trouble with. And so I'm not ignorant of human nature, what's going on behind the scenes. But what does the world say about those that go to church? Those that call themselves Christians. And yet they are clothed with their own ideas and their own righteousness. Sat down with a man there. We have a unit. We have three services on Friday night. The last one is men that have overdosed in the prison. And I'm sitting down there, and there's this fellow here. And he was telling me a little bit about his background. I asked him about his salvation. And he says, I've always tried to be a good fellow. I've always tried to be what's missing. Conviction of sin. Repentance. Fleeing unto the things of God. Looking unto his way. His word. Embracing the righteousness of Christ and fleeing to him. And getting that wedding garment by faith. For the scripture says, all our righteousness is a filthy rags. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me? Verse 13, bring no more vain obligations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons, the Sabbaths. And then you come down here. Verse 15, when you spread your hands, I will hide mine eyes. From you, yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. The next portion of scripture, and thank you, Brother Royce, from changing your, your song pattern so that we could sing that song. And as I was looking at it before we sang it, I was just amazed how she was able to get the theology that was so accurate placed into that song. But what's so amazing about this portion of scripture is that the Lord even takes notice of us. That the Lord comes gently speaking to us, those that have made him angry, those that have lived their own ways and done their own things. And he gives very patient, calm, and loving advice there's a passage later on that names the Lord. It says he's wonderful. I asked the man in the prison, what's so wonderful about Jesus? It was silent for a while. Then off to the left one said, everything. <laughs> I said, amen. 
you know, but bring it down to where we live and examine our hearts and find out what's so wonderful about Jesus. Here's a portion of scripture that shows us how wonderful he is. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve, relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. The next portion is so famous, but we need to have the understanding. Our Lord is bringing himself down and reaching out to us mercifully and graciously, asking us to return unto him, as it says in the song. No more vain obligations, but do these things and return unto me. I'm merciful. I'm gracious. Come now. Let us reason together. The Lord is reasoning with us. Our creator is reasoning with us. One that our sins, as David said, were against him and him only. One that as we look down through this portion of scripture, we say, there we are. That describes us. I thought about that a little bit. And we were over in on the edge of Mississippi, Fulton. I was there with Brother Dale Wallace, and he was preaching, and he was close enough for us to go, and we went. And we went to a shoe store right around the corner from where we ate lunch. And as I walked into this shoe store, there was a pair of Skechers tennis shoes, $10. $10. And my mama said I was a tightwad Scotchman. If you want to know the rest of that story, I'll tell you later. But it's accurate. A pair of sketchers, $10. And they felt good on. And then the guy told us what was going on there. He says, they're two different sizes. <laughs> so I got this portion of scripture, and I would say, if the shoe fits, wear it. And I have double portions here. I can wear a lot of different things here in this portion of scripture. There's a lot of shoes that would fit me here. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, saith Jehovah, saith the covenant-keeping God, who uses his personal name and addresses us, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Sitting at the table, Royce was telling a story about a friend of his with white Levi's, I guess, denim pants of some type, and they were picking blackberries, and he was sticking them in his pocket. <laughs> he had a scarlet stain. <laughs> then we were kind of speculating as to what happened when he got home. <laughs> we could only speculate, but I don't think it was probably going to be good. It describes us and our sins as scarlet, which... Is hard. The conversation was pants were ruined. Well, it's hard to get them out. And yet it speaks of our sins as being white as snow. 
Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. It shall be as wool. Going on down through this portion of scripture. USA Today, verse 23. Thy princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loveth gifts. Everyone loveth gifts. And followeth after rewards. Does that sound like our politicians today? They judge not the fatherless, neither doth the cause of the widow come unto them. They could care less. All they want is your vote. When I was in Jamaica and I had an accident, I got text from people that says, get out. Get out. I didn't. It was all about money, and that's what it turned out to be. Everybody wanted to bribe, and I wouldn't bribe, and they kept me for five months. It's becoming that way here in this country. My pastor for many years, Larry Cox, was down in Mexico, Monterey, and he was driving, and he made a turn when he wasn't supposed to turn. He got pulled over by a policeman, and the policeman was there speaking Spanish, and Brother Larry doesn't speak any Spanish, and they were just communicating. You know, Brother Larry couldn't talk anyway about moving his hands. And finally, the policeman just, <laughs> there was a communication there, just go. <laughs> but I've heard that it's like that way in Mexico also. Most third world countries are like that. I'm just waiting for it to happen here in this country. Therefore, saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah. I will ease me of mine adversaries and avenge me of mine enemies. And I will turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross and take away all thy tin. If the Lord does not deal with us, if he does not deal with you, if he does not deal with me, we need to ask ourselves, are we children of God? I was asked about the sermon title. Not three points in a poem. I'm kind of meandering. And if I don't get thrown out, that's what you're going to get tomorrow. <laughs>